Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness but mostly just wallow in mediocrity with your hosts, Mike Borkfeld and Greg Cerventi. Time. It's been a long time. Nice to see you, listener. We can't see you. Hear, hear you, hear you, listener. Well, nice to hear you. Nice, listener. To, nice to have you hearing us. We can't yes, see or hear this you. This is a non-interactive format. No, but hey, <laughs> I suppose we could stream. It's not. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not get into that. It's nice to be here. I guess <laughs> uh, is what I'm what I'm trying to get to. We've um yeah we've we've been a little on a little. Uh, little hiatus for one reason or another but we're here keen to be back and COVID reasons. um there was some covid there was some climate change in new zealand there was some serious a climate of, change a bit of climate change in new zealand in february um that climate is climate is changing um weather weather is nasty yeah so. had a bit of weather bit of weather going on in new zealand lots of weather chat um, but we're I mean, here. For those of you who don't know, New Zealand is rather famous for having a lot of rain. But boy, did we have some rain! Yeah, so. yeah, we we drank it on, drank it on up. Yeah. Um, so we're here, we're here, and we're talking. It's Oscar season, and we're talking Oscar movies, and we're talking about we sure are. Um, the Oscar winner. So uh, if you've not listened to us in Oscar season before, we pick a. Um, an Oscar winner, or perhaps a, a debatable Oscar winner around this time of year. Uh, we talk about whether that movie holds up um, and uh, what, how it, you know, what, what the, the competition that it was up against and whether it's a deserving winner. And this, uh, this year for Oscar season, we are talking about Argo, the Oscar winner at the 85th Academy Awards. Yeah, something like that. 85th? 85th. 1999 no not 19 2012 yeah that's right 2012 um oscars uh, uh, directed by ben affleck yeah and that old chestnut yep based on true events um you can't see craig's face when i say based on true events <laughs> but hey i'm I'm the first person to. I, I went and saw this in the cinema, and as a New Zealander, the the part that upset me the most uh, about this film, like, uh, was uh, was right at the beginning. They they throw New Zealand under the bus in the film, saying that the Kiwis <laughs> wouldn't help them out. And like, I was basically on my feet at that point, going, "Motherfucker, that's not what fucking happened. No. Um, why the fuck do you need to throw New Zealand under the bus?" And the British were the same. They they threw the Brits under the bus too. So. Uh, they fucking housed those people first, motherfucker. Um, so yeah, it, it caused a little, it caused a little international incident where, uh, um, uh, what's our, what's our favorite, uh, not, not our favorite. He's not, he's no one's favorite, uh, New Zealand, New Zealand first leader, uh, Sir Winston Peters, uh, ended up having to make an announcement in, in the house. Um, and they basically censured Ben Affleck as a result of this film. <laughs> Um, yeah, Ben Affleck's yeah. Ben Affleck's not welcome here. If he comes, if he tries to come to New Zealand, he gets, <laughs> they'll be throwing rotten a, kiwi fruit a, at him at the airport. Dildo thrown at him. That's <laughs> dildo. <laughs> New Zealand's New Zealand's greatest dishonor is to have a dildo thrown at you. <laughs> Look it up. That's <laughs> it, it's a real thing. It happened. Someone it's, had a pink dildo thrown did, at them. It did happen by a sex worker. It was great. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a fantastic day that was. Um, yeah, so Argo, um, made in twenty twelve. Affleck um, also he plays the main character. He plays a um, a CIA agent who's an exfiltration agent, and he is um, trying to figure out a way to um, get get uh, how many six six six. six. Uh, yeah. They were not hostages. They but they are. Uh, they've, they've escaped an Iranian um, assault yeah. on for, the embassy. For those of you not in the know, um, Iran had a had a populist revolution in the late late seventies. Um, they overthrew the democratically, sort of democratically elected. Um, oh, he wasn't. He was a dictator. They overthrew the dictator and installed a um, a fundamentalist re- regime in 
Um, and uh, as a result, the Americans um, and the British were persona non grata due to their support of the previous dictator. Because I mean, when there's oil going cheap, usually the Brits and the English, uh, the Brits and the Americans are all over it. Um, and uh, as such, the the U.S. embassy in Tehran was stormed by uh, protesters. Um, there may have been Republican guards amongst them, and the entire embassy was was taken. Um, and so there were a lot of hostages but uh six uh some other some some embassy staff escaped um and they were um originally hiding out uh with the with the british um and then um the with the assistance of the new zealanders uh, with the new zealand embassies they they moved those people to the canadian embassy as that was felt to be more appropriate um and they hid out at the canadian embassy um uh, whilst trying to figure out how they were going to get home to the United States. Um, the, the rest of the hostages, the, the other 444 people that were, were held by the revolutionaries, um, were eventually returned um, unharmed uh, to the last person mm. uh, through diplomatic means. But it was, it was, it was some, some days later. Mm. Um, so it, it, it was a real thing. It was a, it was, um, and it went on for uh, months, right? It w- went on for years. years. So it went on for um, uh, went on from seventy nine to eighty one. So it went on for a really, really long time. Um, and yeah, it was it was uh, a really big deal. It was a real test of the pre- then president um, Jimmy Carter. Um, I, I think it may have contributed as well to like his overall perception of poor performance. Um, sorry, I said it was 440 hostages. It, it went on for 440 days. I, I don't know how many hostages there were, um, but um, it's like about yeah, 50 it went on forever. About 50 or 60, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was embassy something, staff. Yeah, um, there was there was a lot. Yeah, um, but uh, regardless, it was it was a big it was a, it was yeah. an international it was a huge international um, uh, deal. Um, uh, yeah, it was a. a, 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 a a very big piece of history yeah. and so um america in the best way possible have rewritten history <laughs> to make this to make this mostly about the cia uh recovering these these six people where in actual fact it was mostly the canadians uh who who recovered these people and what's what is known publicly as the canadian caper mm. um so um yeah regardless so benny ben, ben affleck here and chris terrio have have con- have contrived this this uh, Oscar winning film Argo. Yeah. Uh, so here we are, and it was a it was a box it was a box office hit. Oh uh, yeah. It was a big yeah. It was a big it was a big winner. Yeah. So this, it cost nothing to make virtually. And yeah, I can imagine yeah. that. So this the scheme they come up with is that they um, they concoct they're gonna they're gonna pretend that these six Americans are Canadians, um, and they are working on a Canadian film production, and they are scouting sets. It's 1979. Um, it's common for you know Star Wars has just come out. There's an explosion in um, you know sci-fi fantasy type yeah, space movies, westerns. space westerns, yeah. um, and so un- unique kind of desert landscapes and um, otherworldly locations are, are, are thought to be in vogue, and they come up with the the scheme that they can pretend that these these people have entered the country legally as um as a film crew and that they that when they leave they can just say oh you you, you lost you must have lost the papers when we arrived but we're definitely a film crew and all they need is all the all the trappings all the paraphernalia that a film crew would have they're not they're not actually filming they don't they need camera equipment but uh they need to their locations they, yeah they need to establish what just they need to have storyboards and they need to have uh you know a script a script and they need they need to have their own personas of who they are as as far as the the production and why they're there uh, so that's the that's that's the scheme so the first movie kind of splits up into two the first half is ben affleck working with his hollywood contacts to concoct this movie which is called argo and then the sec- the second half is ben affleck working in uh in, in iran um with these hostage uh, not hostages with the what are we calling them the 
the holdouts. I don't know, but the six people that but, are hiding out at the working Canadian with the hideouts. House. Working with the hideouts. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, working with them on you know because they're they're mild mannered. Um, they're bureaucrats, you know, bureaucrats and diplomats. Yeah. Um, and they're having they're to, not fast talking Hollywood yeah, types. They're having with to, their loose morals. They're having to pull this so. pull this CIA espionage shit. And so he's trying he's got about three days to coach them. Um, and they've they have a couple of run ins along the way. And so that's the that's that's the second half of, of the movie, basically. Um Yeah. So we yeah, we so we watched this I mean I I remembered this movie as being fine. I didn't remember it as being a heap of shit. I remember it as being pretty good oh. on second watch it's actually a lot better than i remembered it. it is fantastic yeah this is a solid movie it's this so is, this is actually really good it's it, um it doesn't it's an absolute pot boiler it's great yeah, it doesn't hit you in the face it's it's not it's not over the top but it's no it's, it's a slow burn it's film it's just good quality filmmaking it knows it understands it understands the the simple things that go into making a film a really really good watch uh the the pacing is fantastic the cast are all great um the the hollywood it, hollywood tie-in is fun it, me, it measures yeah, out the hollywood tie-in is fun it measures yeah. out the, the the fun of the hollywood story with the the just the white knuckle tension of these these hideouts uh living in iran and it's it's like a you know like a, a faux nazi type scenario where oh, 100 percent where they're, yeah they're, they yeah, can be the, caught at the, any time yeah the gestapo's the gestapo's sniffing around yeah. like you've got you've clearly got these fanatics knocking at the door um investigating the house next door like it's 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 clear um and there's all the there's a great there's a great cutaway moment where they cut away to the, like it's always cutting away to this room full of shredded paper yeah where they're putting together all of the the documents that were being shredded and burnt but the um the furnace stopped working so yeah. they weren't able to destroy all the paperwork um when the embassy fell uh so there's there's all this uh, all this great cutaway like the tension is constantly mounting they're putting together pictures of this embassy staff like I, i'm not sure if it was common practice for embassies to have you know headshots of all of its staff members so that revolutionaries can come and piece together who they were but um but it's great and it keeps cutting back to these rooms full of kids as they're piecing together this evidence uh, every now and again like it's 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 really well it's really well put together yeah. there's these great shots of like cutting to rooms full of people that are blindfolded about to be shot or executed just just what are the stakes here are the stakes um uh did you order them well done because uh boy boy is it here it comes it's flame grilled yeah um so i actually i i it happens so frequently i actually made a note of when when each time the stakes are raised i i oh, yeah. made a note of it because they do it so so yeah. efficiently and so frequently and you don't even really notice should be every 20 minutes or so yeah yeah you don't even you don't even really notice it's happening but that's so that's one of them as one example is that um yeah the the kids who are working um on the yeah kids who are working on the photos piecing together the shredded paper for the photos um there is the um um when the they, they find out that the maid knows so there's the the tension of the canadians you know the Cana the canadian ambassador who was housing them and they've got an iranian maid um and you know she starts asking questions about why these you know why why are these why are these guests staying here so long yeah. like uh, they who are the who are these americans who are these americans why yeah. why are they capitalist pigs yeah they um, catch the they catch the chief of security the um the the not the ayatollah the um who's the who's the iranian leader who is actually oh, i forget what he's i forget what he's called but his the guy who has left his chief of security gets called to the airport and so they said that the guards are doubled now the right doing right background yeah and then there's the public hangings yeah, yeah all this it, it, yeah. it, it ramps up at really even points it just it just rank, ramps up the tension without without 
being really obvious. It's like someone takes someone takes a phone call. Brian Cranston takes a phone call at the CIA headquarters or something, and it's just drips, drips, drips. This little tension all the way through, without being overbearing and without without killing the the fun of the you know the, the holly the caper the Hollywood the Hollywood story, which is a it's a heist movie. It's a romp. It's a heist movie. Yeah. They might as well be robbing, um, you know, the Taj, the Taj Mahal mm. in Vegas. So, yeah. yeah, they're pulling this. They're yeah. pulling this big scam, and the, um, yeah, the Hollywood types. They they appreciate the, you know, they're, they're, they're there to contrast with with this with Affleck's serious CIA agent. Button down. But yeah, yeah, they they appreciate the the gravity of the situation, but they can't help but you know they've got this inherent kind of joie de vivre. Um, that... Well, check you out in your fancy words, <laughs> joie de vivre, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, you're 100 percent right. Like they've got this whole they've got a they've got a Hollywood swagger to it as well, yeah. and uh, they they recognize that um, you know what they're trying to do is is they're pulling a fast one. That they get the they get the heist. And if this was a sting, that would be the that would be the um, uh, the Paul Newman character who's yeah. done it all before and like, um, and they're Robert Redford. They're, they're a young hustler. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, and they've got all the moves. Um, so, and Ben Affleck's just along to, to get, to receive this, this, this died in the wool, wise in the streets, uh, sort of knowledge from the Alan Arkin and John Goodman characters. Um, uh, worth worth pointing out that Alan Arkin plays a, a chap called Lester Siegel, who is not actually a real person, uh, but he's an amalgamation of two people. One of whom is is the legendary Jack Warner of mm. Warner Brothers fame, uh, which uh, apparently his personality is is modelled on. Uh, so if you wanted to know who in Hollywood Alan Arkin was channeling, it's it's Jack Warner. <laughs> so he's great john john goodman's <laughs> character is a real person right? real person that's a real yeah, yeah so he's a real person that's john chambers um uh, he's the makeup artist behind the the planet of the apes films yeah amongst others so yeah, yeah academy award winning john chambers was 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 a part of this yeah so so a word on the on the pacing just to, to talk about talk about what's great about this movie a little bit more and a couple of other things that i really like about it the it's got this two and a half minute prologue, um, which is told with it's uh, it's it's kind of Forrest the way Forrest Gump uses um, you know found footage like real real footage from the time. It's told with that mixed in with storyboards, so it's got this incredible kind of documentary kind of vibe, kind of vibe. But also also it's made up. It's 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 cinematic and it really sets. It just sets the tone for how this is. This movie is a combination of fact and fiction, um, and, and it also looks it looks spectacular. The the style of it is so so cool. And then it, you go into this kind of t- about ten minute long, uh, you know, opening opening sequence, which is the storming of the embassy, which is your Saving Private Ryan kind of action action moment yeah. action action action. There's there's tension. There's there's crowds. They're jumping over the gates and the uh, you know, kicking open the door of the embassy. Everybody, people are doing crazy things. Some guy says, "I'm going to go out and reason with them," and he, oh, he goes. And an he goes out, and in ten seconds, he's got a gun to his head, and he's saying, "Let me in." Gonna, immediately let me regrets in, that decision. Um, <laughs> people do people do crazy shit, but it's 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 ridiculous, but it's completely believable as well. You could just imagine, you could just imagine someone just in a stressed situation just making a terrible decision like yeah i'll go out there and i'll talk to them i'll make them see reason i can't think of anything else that's going to work here i'm going to reason with these guys uh but at the same angry mob yeah at the same time (laughs) i'm not an i'm not an imperial aggressor (laughs) at the same time as that yeah the guys are shredding the documents and yeah it's furnace breaks yeah that 10 minute the 10 minute sequence is is just it's so 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 good it sets the pace it just it yeah. slaps you in the face it's it's so ben so, Affleck, man. yeah really guy's, really well put together guy's a talent he's yeah. um he's uh i mean you can say what you like about his acting ability but yeah guy guy knows how to put together yeah. a solid solid film i think i haven't seen the 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 gangster film he did um oh he's done a bunch of gangster films um i, I say out loud but um um gone baby gone i think it is, is it gone baby gone and then he's 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 done the town 
um mm. but both of those are um i think i think it's called gone baby gone um, was it gone girl or is that or, a different movie no no gone girl is it's is, more um, recent isn't not it? him yeah that's more recent but um i think i watched gone baby uh, gone is he, his brother in it yeah it's casey Affleck, yeah i did watch um, gone and baby michelle monaghan yeah um and uh it's it's yeah it's a it's a an absolutely um cracker film yeah. uh, and the town is a is an absolute cracker of a film too like um yeah he's he's a very solid filmmaker yeah. um yeah so the oh, yeah. so the rest of the first act is um the build-up to to him pitching this well he, he it's him pitching this uh, idea for how to how to um pull this job and the uh, it's 23 minutes in is when he gets the he gets the idea f- from what he's watching planet of the apes and he gets the idea that they do a canadian film crew and so it's about 33 minutes in that they get the um they get the go ahead they get the approval so it's a tight you know tight 30 30 minute first act and then they swing into um swing it swing into to the job the caper um yeah. so he's by this point he is he's assembled his crew he's assembled john goodman and alan arkin um and they start pulling putting together they 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 go and they buy the script they have to go buy the script and alan arkin you know he he, he uses all of his wiles to 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 procure this this script from the the, the writer script. the writer yeah. who's, who's unwilling who doesn't want him to buy the script because he doesn't want to make in the movie because he thinks he sucks um, <laughs> but alan alan arkin you know knows how to he knows how to play this game and so he he, he procures him the script and then that you know the, the kind of troubleshooting they're figuring out we we need press so they need to hold a read through yeah um and then the, they have a star wars-esque read through with people in costume yeah. like it's all battle beyond the stars but then they've, they've got schlock, yeah, the, but... the, the press naturally asks them questions about the movie which reveal that he doesn't know the script that well <laughs> coins the coins the phrase ah go fuck yourself it's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic like alan arkin like alan arkin and john given um uh, every time uh, either of them are on screen, it's um, it's 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 magic. Um, uh, my my notes for this just literally read: uh, jo- John Goodman and Alan Arkin are national treasures. Yeah, so they're, yeah. they're both fantastic. Um, funnily enough, um, like true nerdery stuff, the the um, uh, famed famed comic book artist Jack Kirby had a had a small part to play. In, in this um he it's it's sometimes reported that he drew the storyboards uh, oh, really? that we used in the film but he didn't but um because the script had kind of been around in some shape or form for a little while uh there was some uh there was some um uh, concept drawings that were done of some of the environments that were drawn by jack kirby mm. which have made their way into the hands of collectors today mm. um as as has everything that jack kirby has touched mm. um but uh um 90s phenomenon jim lee who who now more or less heads up dc comics um he he owns some of those concept drawings um because he's a collector of of comic memorabilia right. so even legendary comic artist jack kirby um uh had a small part to play in right this. and Affleck's character actually keeps one at the end doesn't he yeah that's that's the thing he comes that, back uh... so yeah, he's an absentee father. Is effectively he's his character is on the outs with his wife, um, and they've got a son. And um, Ben Affleck is always away. Like you know that I guess um, we were talking before the film, before the podcast started about his fatal flaw. His fatal flaw is that he's he's an absentee father because he's always working, um, and he he doesn't have time for his kid, um, and so he makes up for it by stealing a storyboard and bringing it back for his kid mm. and, and now he's got this piece of history mm. that will wind up in the trash which is a which is a, a shame mm. but yeah there you go uh yeah solid solid movie yeah. all the way through really well put together gosh so what else can you say yeah, about so mid, this well, mid, so midway through just midway through the the hollywood story basically ends about halfway through when mm. when affleck flies you know to iran to actually to, to actually execute the plan um mm. he, he picks up a bit of intel in turkey and then he 
yeah, he enters enters Iran and he, he goes about actually putting this plan into place. He's got to, mm. um, you know, he's got to he's got to convince all of the um, the hideouts to actually participate. Um, and then there's there's a series of you know a, a couple of events that they have to do where because he, he's gone to the the culture embassy or the culture minist- ministry, and the culture ministry calls his calls his bluff and they say all right. Um, why don't we take you through the bazaar? Um, so he's got to take these six people for a walk through the through the the bazaar of this this massive shopping complex and yeah um, open air market yeah yeah and um, you know the tension is very high and they get they get into some scrapes and they get accused of being Americans and um, you know the the it's it's basically it's the first test of the um, the hideouts and their ability to hold up under pressure, which they they pass, but they're all very shaken, very terrified, and then um, yeah, you know they're kind of there's a couple of them that aren't on board with the plan at all. Yeah, um, so that you know that that brings you to your your absolute low point in the film where it feels like nothing's going to bring together. Yeah, um, and in fact, they the the plug gets pulled on the whole job. Um, he gets a call. Affleck gets a call from Brian Cranston at the CIA saying. Um, the plug's been pulled. They would rather have people shot in an embassy where you know no one is filming than have them shot on a um, in, you know, in, a, in an airport and, and with hundreds of people around publicly. Um, and they pull the job, but he says no. Would he after he thinks about it? That's the low point. Is him kind of he grabs a bottle of whiskey and and downs it in his room. And, and that's yeah. kind of the low point, but then he wakes up in the morning. But it's probably I, I, fairly I get the feeling hungover. that was an unscripted Ben Affleck moment where he was just like, I'm just going to steal this bottle of whiskey yeah. and, and drink it in my hotel room. Um, <laughs> film, filming. Film the cool shit I'm doing. Filming. Filming with filming. air quotes. Filming. Yeah. I'm intense. Um, hey, Ben, you want some uh, You want some tea in place of that whiskey? Nope. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he, he decides he's going to pull the job anyway, and then that ramps up the tension because they've got to... There's some some bureaucratic stuff that's got to achieve because it's because the plug's been pulled. Um, he has to he has to Brian Cranston has to get hold of someone uh, on the phone and of course there's no you can't text someone or anything. It's 1979, but he he phones he finds out where this person's kid goes to school. He figures the the one person who he will take a phone call from is the school is it, if it's the, the school, school the phoning school. to tell him that the kid is sick. Um, so he pretends to be the, he pretends to be the school, and that's how he accomplishes this feat of bureaucracy, which is kind of a nice mix of, you know, the the CIA they're not all they're not all kind of stalking around with, you know, guns, trench coats, guns with fedoras. guns with silences. Sometimes it's just yeah. Sometimes it's they're just figuring out figuring out how the bureaucracy works and finding a way through that. Yeah. So then the so then the the you know the turning point is the sequences they're going through the airport and going through the various levels of security and the people having to stay calm, the hideouts having to keep their cool. And, and then one of the guys who was a doubter who happens to speak Farsi because he was a translator, you know, he, he, he weighs in on, uh, weighs in with the guards about how cool this movie is going to be um, and kind of yeah. kind of wins them over. They agree to place this phone call. They place the phone call. There's a really, really simple um, but very effective piece of filmmaking where the Alan Arkin and... Uh, John Goodman have been basically waiting. Their job for the whole second half of the movie is to sit by the phone um, and wait so that when someone calls, they can pretend to be this they can production, to this be. production office and say, yeah, yeah, we're making a movie called Argo. Yeah, we got, yeah, that's, that we got seven people in, in Iran. Um, when are they coming back? Um, and so they've walked away because they've been told that the, the plug's been pulled. They've gone out to get coffee. Um, it's... And they're walking back, and they're on, they're walking through a set, and the phone is the phone is ringing. They can't hear. You can the, hear the they can't, phone. They ringing. can't hear the phone ringing. We as the audience know, yeah. um, but they're walking through a set, and then they have to stop because they 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 can't walk into shot. And so you you've got the phone ringing, you've got the 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 people in this in this airport in Iran. They're about to be shot if, yeah, if they don't this, pick up this, this phone. This, uh, um, Republican guard character who looks like he's about to break out in rabies at any yeah. moment. Um, yeah, and it, the, it's, it's really well. And done. the Hollywood guys have to stand and watch these these two bit hack actors playing <laughs> out this, up playing out this fight this fight <laughs> terrible fight scene in front of a car. It's like something out of the room. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 they're pitching it at the lowest possible level of Hollywood. And finally, finally, Alan Arkin says, "Fuck it, I'm in the I'm going to be in the background. I'm going to be we're going to be in the background of this shot." Waiting, yeah. not that he knows the phone is ringing, um, but it's yeah. it's that kind of pig-headed decision uh, and the willingness to break the rules that means they get there to take the phone call in time and they're able to get them on the plane. Um, there's a there's a chase scene. It's you know it's dramatic. It's all it's all bullshit, but it's it's effective filmmaking um as these yeah you know, as, as the revolutionary guard chase after this they try and chase down this plane in their you know in their humvees or whatever um yeah it's it's really cool but i that what i really like about that that last sequence is that it's you know this is a they this is a hollywood movie and they are they are they are hollywooding the shit out of it but at the same time they don't make Alan Arkin and John Goodman do any Hollywood kind of escapade. It's it's completely no, it's just, banal. They're just it's all done on a phone. It's yeah. They're just yeah. they're they're on a they're on a set and there's some there's some shitty Hollywood movie. It really you know it, it really plays up that kind of you know the combination that Hollywood it's it's the dream factory but it's also a it's also mm. a bunch of garbage. But it's also time. it's also just a bunch of people who who are doing a job. <laughs> yeah, some of them better than others. There's, they're not there's, all. There's no magic. It's just it's just people with scripts and some money and and um, talking some shit amongst each yeah. other and yeah, it's it's uh, I think I think there's a gritty to it as well, which I, I really like. It's a uh, it's just superbly. It's just really well done. So, I. I I get very excited about this film with the with the throwing New Zealand under the bus in the first ten minutes of the film, uh, but if you can divorce yourself from that long enough uh, to just enjoy this film, and um, also, I mean, I don't think I've said enough about just how much they underplay the Canadian involvement. Um, it the, the 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 liberties taken with the history of this film was so much so that ex us president jimmy carter weighed in mm. on the controversy and gave his opinion that it was 90 percent canada 10 percent america um and that the film whilst very enjoyable um plays incredibly loose with the history and, and who is responsible um yeah so much so that it is it is known as the canadian caper not yeah. the Hollywood caper. Which is, so. and they, they explain this to a degree at the end where they say no one can know that the CIA was involved because they've still got hostages there. Yeah, uh, they've still got hostages. They've got, they've, yeah. they, so they claim that they are playing it up, the Canadian involvement, because they don't want them to think that it's the CIA. Because uh, if, mm. if they think they've been duped by Americans, they're more likely to take it out on the hostages that they've got. Sure. Which may, okay. I, I mean, plays I'm to not, the American. Yeah world worldview but um and um i think there's probably something to answer in hollywood uh, about the the american worldview um prior to this starting mike and i were talking about um uh, one of mike's kids has taken a fascination with world war ii as as many children do um but i've had i've had the distinct pleasure of being in new orleans um at the national world war ii museum um and hearing american kids kind of recognized for the first time that there were other countries involved in the storming of the beaches in france and normandy and just that recognition that like holy shit canada was there too mm. um and it was like yeah it wasn't just the americans but like you can't blame them like a, a kid who like not all kids read um detailed histories on world war ii they like many people they get their history from film and television mm. or partially from film and television and hopefully if they're interested enough they'll go and actually read about the event um but yeah it's that just that that you can't really blame them but america is pretty bad i mean i think i guess all countries tell a story that place themselves in the best light possible but yeah america is pretty bad for this yeah. they 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 retell the event in such a way as that the american involvement is absolutely embellished yeah. um to the point where you know um that they're the only people that were there um the uh the uh jimmy carter places the canadian um the canadian uh, ambassador as being the number one player in this this scheme um and that's jimmy carter um he's mm. he's a national treasure mm. um he's still making homes for 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 the homeless he's, like guys like 125 like and he's <laughs> 
he's out there nailing nailing bits of wood together like what a what a dude yeah. <laughs> i don't know about your politics actually you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta love jimmy carter <laughs> um Jeez. I, I, there are a couple of a couple of things that i, I just if i'm if i'm nitpicking i could pull at, at this movie i do want to say one more one more thing that i really liked about this movie that i, I okay. particularly want to pick out which is this we don't want to praise it too much its head will get too big no. it won't fit out the door one good thing and then two 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 bad things i think one is just the the, the filmmaking and the atmosphere setting that's in iran and, and there is a particular shot when affleck is he's, he's buying a van that he's gonna that he's gonna travel around in with these mm. with with these hideouts these six people he's buying a van and the the buying of the van there's there's a shot it's quite a long shot he's he's off buying the van in the background there's a, a shitty van and he's he's handing some guy some notes but in, it's it's a, it's out at a kind of you know a a, a, a garage a shop an, an auto shop mm. and there is a guy in the foreground grinding I think he's grinding metal or maybe he's welding but there's mm. you know it's 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 rough it's it's not like in, in the west where the, you'd have all the gear on it's rough and the 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 fire the the sparks that are being produced it's i, I wrote it i took a note of it because it's so evocative it's evocative of you know it's grimy it's evocative of torture of car bat mm. car batteries to your nipples and that's you know it's it's but it's it's such a simple thing he's buying a he's buying a van he could have been mm. buying the van from anywhere but they they crafted this shot to make give the sense of the sense of foreboding this this mm. sinister kind of thing going on in the foreground and it's just it's just someone working on a car um yeah but it's it, it evokes so much around um the danger that these these people are in and the brutal and constant the, danger yeah the the, yeah. Bru- the brutality that that awaits them if, if the, the slightest yeah. thing goes wrong it is absolutely fantastic i love it um mm. things that I, I yeah i think there's two things that i just uh, I, I wonder about one is one is just a storytelling thing where you know most of the second half of the second act when he is in you know he's in tehran uh there's a lot of several scenes where he is training them you know he is drilling them on their characters and their backgrounds and he's uh, he's he's got them in a circle and he's peppering them with questions and he's going this is what's going to happen to you you need to be ready to hold up to this he asks them where they were where they were born do they have brothers and sisters you know how old are they um where corrects them on the pronunciation of toronto yeah yeah right down to that because they've got to they've got to be canadian um Mm. none none of that is used in the in the climax see that's uh you know it's a it's a a real feature of that the second half of the second act you feel like that's that's leading up to something that work that he puts them Mm. through they don't use any of it they just they sail through they don't they don't sail through but the all they well they get quizzed by that guy who wants to know what the fuck they're doing he he, Um, he quizzes them about the movie um yeah uh, but but all they, they they don't let's be honest he was probably just trying to get a part yeah so, none of them uh, yeah. none of them are called on to do anything with these character backstories except for the one guy who <laughs> the one guy who speaks farsi is called on to talk about the movie in farsi that's nothing to do with his character backstory he just happens to know how to speak farsi so yeah so you do all the one. setup and then it doesn't pay they off. do they do a lot a lot of setup it doesn't it doesn't really matter you're happy enough that the the airport the whole airport sequence is well put together enough that it's fine it and the, the yeah. tension is there and this the paperwork that's gone wrong they can't find the paperwork yeah yeah the paperwork's missing like but they get they get flagged through anyway yeah like yeah the, yeah yeah it's but, uh, i i like that scene as well because that that guy was the most was the most vocal about his his not buying into the scheme like he he was convinced they were just going to get shot um and he, he thought the whole thing was harebrained um and then like he's the one that comes in and 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 sells it and and does and does the hard yards at the at the at the last minute mm. to, to to drag it across the line mm. he's and so you know he has that that character i forget his name and the actor's name but he has this little little moment of um like that little character arc yeah which 
which gets which gets them across. Um, but it's if, uh, I think if if earlier on if if Affleck had made a particular point, if there'd been a scene with him working particularly on that guy, maybe that that you they don't set that up. They set yeah, that up, and that he's the, he's the detractor. Right? Like it's, there's a thread. There's a thread dangling there. Yeah, they could have he doesn't do anything to yeah. pull him back. The, the, when they're on the plane, he comes over and he says thank you, and it's they have their kind of their, their moment of closure. But yeah, yeah as, as just as as far as setups and payoffs, they're not connecting those things together. The other thing, other thing, just a little doubt I have, which is is what they're doing with Ben Affleck's character, like you said. Okay, he's he's certainly flawed in that he's mm. um, he's distant. Um, he's he's obviously got a problem with the bottle. Um, yeah, and yeah, it doesn't seem to form doesn't seem to form relationships that easily. He's at a he's at a marriage breakup. He's no, he's a career kid. guy, right? Like he's yeah. you know, he's probably spent his entire entire life at work. Yeah, so but it, I think I think there's an interaction with the wife character. Where, where it's like you know oh you're working again yeah it's like, and it's I, I guess it's imp- like for what he does he, he like he he can't he he wins people over and then he and then he he, do, he ditches them he, he doesn't specialize yeah. in long relationships he's he, he's a, he's a CIA, it's any any he's a any movie exfiltration about, expert yeah, any movie about a cia agent any tv show about a, a secret agent that'll be their problem right is I can't. Yeah. I can't form permanent relationships because my I deal in secrets. That's my yeah. I deal in secrets. Job. I deal in. I deal in ducking out. So Which, um, yeah, it's a little. I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to engage with his 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 character is not very engaging. He's he's standoffish. Um, he doesn't have a lot of charm. Um, so besides being Ben Affleck, one of the most handsome and recognizable men in the world. So, so would if you weren't if who else could you cast in that role who who does bring a bit more charisma, I, I, charisma to um well um right now uh, if you were going to recast it so so tony mendez was significantly shorter uh and and by all accounts like a like a, a chubby guy um you know you could you could quite easily you could quite easily cast like a tony shalhoub in that role that role oh would God. have been more accurate that probably would have been a more accurate representation um, of um, of who of what the guy looked like. I'm trying to remember the actor's name now, but um, or even if you cast, um, oh, um, hold on, hold on. I, I know, I know, I know who I know who makes this better. Pedro Pascal. Now we're talking. Put Pedro Pascal in here as uh, Tony Mendez. Uh, suddenly, suddenly we've got a real pressure cooker going now. Uh, <laughs> I think I think something like that would 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 push this into would, would, one would take this in a wildly different direction. Yeah, <laughs> but I get, but that's not the point. Like um, Ben Affleck, right, uh, direct acted in. Um, sure, he gets to take the lead role. This pro- this movie probably doesn't get made without him no. being in the lead no. role. No, um, Hollywood takes a look at this and goes, no. But you know, if you star in it, like we can we can sell that. Yeah. we can put you on the poster um and and you know people will go to it because you know people have an expectation around a hollywood star um so i I get why he's there um he probably didn't want to star in it i'm presuming he didn't want to star in it but like he he recognized that in order to get this movie made he needed to be in it um but yeah like you know put pedro pascal in there (laughs) like he wasn't he wasn't a thing in 2020 in, in 2012 but um yeah today like you know Maybe he could have a an orphan child that he needs to to uh, to escort to through hostile territory to get to the other side, and we can all call him daddy. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Last of Us is excellent. Uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal is excellent in, in The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, very much looking forward to tonight's episode. Uh, but yes, um, yeah, uh, solid solid movie right down the line. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's nothing really against Affleck. There's nothing wrong with his performance in this. It's just no. he's the the character just comes off a little a little flat and a little bit of a a little bit of a nothing, which I suppose is what he's meant to be. He's meant to be an everyman. He's meant to be a you know a G man who disappears. Um, yeah. he don't he's not meant to be memorable. He's just meant to be no. a, 
a blank canvas. He turns up, he gets the job done, blank canvas, yeah. audience can project on him, you know, yeah. done. Perfect. He does a fantastic job. So we should, we should talk about the movies that this was up against for best picture. Which is your, which is your pick? That, what, what do you think is the most competitive of this, Django of this Unta- year? Unchained. Django Django? Yeah. Yeah. Django, 100%. Um, Django is a spectacular uh, so, movie. So this came out so for Best Picture in twenty twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, whenever, whenever, whichever Oscars, uh, whenever the actual Oscars aired, um, this this was up against Django Unchained, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Les Mis, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Zero Dark Thirty, and Silver Linings Playbook. Um, and uh, I've seen all of those except for uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, Django Unchained is 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 the one for me that stands out today, um, and will will probably from that year be the one that is remembered long term. And I'm not saying that as a Quentin Tarantino fanboy. Um, I'm not a Quentin Tarantino fanboy. In fact, I rather dislike a lot of the Quentin Tarantino films. But I'll make an exception for Django Unchained, which is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, that is. That is an absolute cracker of a film. Uh, highly recommend. Um, uh, I think uh, Jamie Foxx is just outstanding in that. Um, the entire cast. Um, Christoph Waltz. Oh, so good. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio um, is delicious uh, as the Southern Plantation slave owner. Yeah. Um, just with the, with the slightly creepy relationship with his sister. Uh, like, just everything everything that's good is going on in that film um incredibly hard to watch um and it does fall prey to some of the like white man uh making sorry a white man making movies Mm. about slavery with liberal use of the n-word um and and there's some there's some uncomfortableness around that but um to to upend history in that way and have Django turn out to be an avenging former slave um who who now runs around shooting racists to shit um is 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 incredibly cathartic yeah. and the kind of alternative history I, I really wish existed uh where where um these people these self-actualized people now got to enact revenge on their their former slave owners um in a way that history rarely rarely actually allows for um but even 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 if you're not going to so it, it, obviously Django doesn't win best picture is Tarantino <clears throat> best original Tarantino ever won a best picture no no mm. nor best director um he he's he's won two best original screenplays I think for yeah. Pulp Fiction and for Django Unchained um so yeah um I, I think Django Unchained is, is the film that should should have been honored. That's the film that's going to be watched in 10 and 15, 10, 10 yeah. 20 years from now. No one's going to be watching Argo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's my pick. And even even then, if it's not Argo, like Lincoln or um, Les Mis, as much as um, I, I dislike that sort of grand music, movie musical um i've seen lemas and it's phenomenal yeah russell crowe is not a good jean valjean though he's <laughs> he's not a singer uh and um i i don't know i don't know what whatever made him think he was <laughs> unbridled ego i guess but um yeah yeah uh that would be my pick so in a in a fairly in a fairly even year so I, I I know what I, I understand why they gave it to Ar, uh, to Argo. So yeah, yeah. Looking looking back at Argo, I think I think you're right. Django is the one that you look back and you think it's, it's so it's as soon as you read that you read that title, it's so visceral. It really, and you can hear it. You can yeah. hear that that theme song kick in. You can hear that soundtrack. Just um exquisite scene after scene after scene scene after scene it doesn't make you want to watch it again because so much of it is so difficult to watch but yeah at the same time it's so memorable it's so compelling uh it's hard just Django standing there in the the blue suit with the white the white socks um you know when he when he first comes across uh, you know uh, um an overseer whipping a slave and um and he, he starts enacting his revenge like that 
that that blue suit it's yeah. just that iconic low shot that superhero shot as it as it slowly tracks in it's oh it's so good the there's a shot at the end when he escapes when he escapes certain death um and Django uh, and quentin tarantino is playing himself as the australian um with a really bad australian accent like um and then he blows up it's like and then he's riding that horse bareback um across a field and there's like someone's burning stuff in the background um it's just like just from a filmmaking point of view um walter groggins um trying to cut off his nuts with a huge fucking bowie knife like there's so much there's so much of that film that's iconic yeah um and uh like really stands out and like in 10 years from now when you think about argo you might think about that shot with someone doing some grinding in the foreground but um will anybody else yeah will will you look back and think about argo and like i when i was thinking about argo because i saw it once and that's when it came out when i was thinking about argo the um the only thing that the thing that sprung to my mind was the was the airport scene where they're being quizzed i remember that scene Mm. with that guy turning around and being like no fuck you i speak farsi and then and then jumping in um I assume it's Farsi. I mean, we're making. I, I don't know if it's Farsi or Arabic. I'm not sure. Someone but, mentions. Uh, apologies. I'm sure, someone mentions yeah. Farsi. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone mentions Farsi, um, and like that's the scene I remember. But when I thought about when I thought about Ar- when I thought about Django, so many scenes like Christoph Waltz standing yeah. there with his back to camera as he's making his decision to talk about um, Alexander Dumas um, and how he's black. Uh, to to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, yeah, just shot after shot after shot mm. of, of absolute memorable cinema. Mm. Uh, so um, Django Unchained is is the film I think should have won, uh, but I understand why Argo got it. Mm. So, all right, all in all, yeah, that's solid, 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 solid movie. I think like I th- a real. I think it's safely hot boiler. Yeah, it's safely verging on greatness. Don't know if oh, I, don't... it's a it's a good movie. Yeah. It's 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 a solid film. History aside, um, it's a it's a solid film. Um, you know, in that in that way that up, usually upsets you know, rightfully upsets people about Hollywood's liberalness with uh, with the actual facts. Um, not that everything needs to be absolutely factual, but at the same time, like, there's no need to throw New Zealand under the bus. <laughs> we drove them to the airport, motherfuckers. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to wrap up there uh, thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed this um, we'll be back um, so very soon because we've got um, we're going to do a, we'll do a mini pod with our thoughts which is mostly Craig's thoughts um, <laughs> on on the Oscar nominees for 2023 um, whoop whoop yeah we'll um, so yeah keep an eye out for that we'll be back again soon like and subscribe y'all yeah alright bye everyone bye.